Hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show. We get up close and personal, some amazing guests throughout the entertainment industry. And today, like I say on every episode, we got a great one for you. Who do we have? We have a country music singer from my home state of Kentucky, John Michael Montgomery, with us today. He has had 36 singles, seven of which reached number one on the Billboard Country Singles charts. I love the way you love me. I swear, be my baby tonight. If you've got love, I can love you like that. Sold the Grundy County auction incident and the little girl. I swear and sold were also the number one country singles of 1994 and 1995. He also received the CMA Horizon Award, was named the ACM's top new vocalist, setting off a long series of awards that included CMA Single and Song of the Year, Billboard's Top Country Artist, and a Grammy nomination. And we're excited to have him on the show. Yes. So welcome to the show with a resume like that. Yes, well, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks for uh, all that. I've been a very, uh, very fortunate and blessed uh, young man uh, in my career. So, uh, so Sandy, you're from Kentucky. What part? I am Pikeville area, Eastern Kentucky. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I've been up there a few times. Uh, my bass player is from that area. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she yes. was the first person I ever heard what a holler was. I, I was like, what? Yeah, he are, did not know what a holler like, was until he met doing? me. And I remember <laughs> when we oh, met, because we met on, you know, we, we met online. So I drove yeah. up, we I drove up there to go see her and I'm behind her and, and she's taking me through the, all these mountain area. And I'm sitting there like, where are we going? Where yes, are you, where, I live on one of those one lane roads. And, uh, so <laughs> I'm sitting there like, she's going to take me in to kill me here. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, there's a lot of people that did go down there and didn't come back out to be honest with you. Uh, no, one lane roads and hollers. I'll tell you what, uh, yeah, you got to learn. Uh, I had a, uh, I ran into a, uh, a, uh, a guy that operated, did a lot of operations. He's from Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and I said, what brought you to Kentucky? He said, all the car wrecks. Yeah. <laughs> he said, y'all don't have any side roads. It's like, you got a road and then a tree and then a ditch. And he said, it's, he says, it's every, every week I'm doing an operation on people, wow. throwing them back up and fixing them from, you know, and oh, I was wow. like, Hey, you definitely got a, I, the funnest part when we were when I was in uh, school and we were on the school bus and you know they didn't close school down back much in the, even with the snow. <laughs> yeah. He was riding on that right. school bus just slipping and sliding to the okay. next stop, you know. And, right. And uh, but uh, fun fun times though, you know. I, it's it's mm -hmm. uh, I'm obviously partial to it. I love the the look and the area and the people of Kentucky and of course my football UK Wildcats. I'm a basketball oh, of Wildcat. Absolutely. Well, what's funny is we. Yeah, um, my dad was a huge UK basketball fan, and I am as well. But. See, see, we agreed well, when you we can first run married. out of state, or you'll get run to Louisville if you ain't. So. <laughs> and, <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and you know, we, we actually um agreed when we first married because, of course, I'm a big Georgia fan because in Georgia here, I was like, okay, we we. We came to an agreement. We will root for Georgia for football, and we will root for Kentucky for basketball. Yeah, had to compromise there. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I, they they were due. I'll tell you, they uh, Georgia. I, I know a lot of folks uh, from Georgia there in the music business, and let me tell you, they are hardcore football fans there. So uh, my, my my as a matter of fact, my daughter's engaged to a uh, uh, an artist, uh, Travis mm -hmm. Denning, who's from Georgia, and oh, we yes. actually watched the game with them, and. Uh, that's the first time I'd actually seen a real Georgia football fan in action. It, it's intense, I tell you. They are, <laughs> yes, you know. But we're, we're kind of the same way. I, of course, I've always been a closet 
college football fan and a closet UK <laughs> football fan. Yeah. You know, and uh, right. just always wanted to play that in high school. Mom wouldn't let me play football because she's afraid I'd get hurt and all that. So I played mm-hmm. basketball instead. So I, I love my basketball. But uh, yeah, you know, it was, it's, uh, I just love Kentucky the SEC. I love to see SEC. Yeah. It, hey, our mm-hmm. coach, uh, Coach Mark Stoops, let me tell you something. He has turned this program around, he's lifted the curse of Paul. Uh, uh, Coach uh, Paul Bear Bryant off of her back from oh, the fifties, yeah. you know, and because uh, mm-hmm. you know the the old saying was he when uh, Rupp won a national championship uh, in the same year, uh, Coach Bryant Paul Bear Bryant went undefeated. Mm-hmm. Uh, well. he, uh, Rupp got a Cadillac, and Paul Coach uh, Bryant got a watch, and, oh. and that year. <laughs> We we went undefeated and actually beat Oklahoma in the bowl, except they'd already yeah. given the national championship to Oklahoma. And I, it's in the fifties, but yeah. anyway, we've had a curse on our back ever since, and that's the uh-huh. that's the saying. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> we are now on our way. I I'm thinking, hey, I, I'm I'm thinking, hopefully, we'll be playing national championship. But Georgia's always had Alabama's curse. Oh, that's right. You know, Whenever and, they play and, Alabama, you know, but but when you know, I remember. 10 years ago when it was Bama versus LSU in the national championship and LSU, of course, beat Bama, you know, in the middle of the season, I was like, you do not beat a team at that caliber twice in the same season. Well, I was saying the same thing with nobody believed me. I was like, with Georgia, I was like, you don't beat a team like Georgia yeah. oh. twice in the same season. It just does not happen. Yeah. No, I- it's when that caliber, uh, if you play them once, uh, you know, the next time they're going to have your number because they're, they, they figure out why they lost the first time, you know. And, but I'm excited because speaking of LSU, uh-huh. uh, Joe Burrow now at the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, I'm a big, huge uh-huh. Bengals fan. And so, uh, and we also got that receiver chase and I'm telling you, uh, I'm just absolutely tickled to death. We've, that they they have singly handled hand handled singly handed that uh, program a winning a couple of guys there that and I, I was born in Cincinnati. Maybe Super Bowl pretty soon. And I was mm-hmm. born in Cincinnati. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. So yeah. So uh, well, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. So what do you think about the Titans? It looks like they have a good chance this year. Yeah, uh, you know I'm a huge Titan fans. Obviously, I was so tickled to see them move to Nashville and. Nashville get the NFL team, and, and uh, uh, I got to go to a few games early on when they, you know, when they were uh, very new. And so, obviously, I'm always pulling for the Titans when the Bengals ain't playing or doing well. Exactly. <laughs> so this last 18, 20 months or so has been rough for a lot of people. Oh yes. Um, how has COVID affected you, and what have you done to get through this in the last months? Well, I mean, uh, you know, obviously, it's the first time I had been on the road in, since 1992. <laughs> uh, this is my 30th year. And wow. so, obviously, I had all this time on my hands. And But yet, uh, you know, it was a nice rest for me, a nice rest That's for good. my voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. You know, the obviously, uh, you know, my vocal cords are, aren't uh, 25 years old like they were when I first started singing all them songs. You mm-hmm. know? So having a nice rest like that was uh, very valuable and uh, kind of recharged my batteries and all that stuff. But, you know, obviously, I mean, it's just like a bad movie happened, uh, you know, a mm-hmm. horror movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, I never just expected anything like that in my lifetime. And right. But, uh, 
you know, we're very resilient in this United States. Yep. Tell you. Uh, mm -hmm. We will, we will certainly make lemon out of lemonade out of lemons. Uh, yes. And, uh, you know, we just have to keep battling on and get past it all and start living our life like we used to. We, you know, you can't, uh, you just can't live your life in a bubble or scared yep. to death, you know. Exactly. Yep. Too we short agree. for you to do that, you know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, that's like us. You know, we launched this show January of 2020. You know, and our original plan was maybe around 100 interviews first year. We thought if we could do that, yeah. be a great foundation. And then COVID happens. And as I'm watching things get shut down, I told Sandy, you know, we can't change COVID, but you know, people like you are going to need a place to talk and we're going to give it to them. So we said, you know what? We're going all in. We're doing everything we can. And because of that, we end up doing over 300 interviews that year and we're over 500 now. Wow. Wow. That's a lot. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, uh, I, I, that's a ton of interviews. Well, that's awesome. That's a very successful year there for you guys. That's great. I, I knew uh, a lot of these, uh, uh, you know, I guess you would call them. Uh, and, you know, we even had Frank Myers and Arthur One on. Yeah, these streaming interviews like this. I mean, it's really, there's a lot of good come out of it, obviously. Uh, you know, you slow down, you, you actually get, to, uh, I think people got to do a few things that they never were, never took time to do. Obviously, a yeah. lot more people spend time with their family that they didn't do a lot. And then. Mm -hmm. Of course, a lot of people got to go out and enjoy the activities of the outdoors and fishing and, yes, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, golfing, I'm a big golfer and all that. <laughs> I got to golf a lot more. But uh, yeah, you know, it's just, uh, it was just a weird, it's, I mean, as a weird year. I mean, uh, you know, it was just, uh, I, I'm glad it's over with. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, I guess everybody in their Certain in their lifetime goes through some kind of scenario all yeah, the way right. back in the 20s and 30s, back when yes, they, you know, yes. when my grandfather had to live through the Great Depression mm -hmm. and uh, stuff like that. And, but, uh, I, you know, I'm I'm just, as long as I ain't pushing daisies, I'm pretty happy. I can survive about anything. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, speaking of some of your past songs, we actually have had in the some of our past guests have been Frank Myers and also All for One. Yes. Did you say Frank Myers? Yeah. Frank Myers. Yeah, he yeah, was on one of our shows. The first year of our show. Well, yeah. Yeah, Frank. You know, so my story with Frank, the first time I ever met him, I, I had uh, set up a write with him. Uh -huh. And okay. it was after my, getting ready, I was cutting my, I was cutting the album that I swear was on at the time. Mm -hmm. Just started on it. And of course, I had just come off of number one. Uh, I mean, I come off the Likes of Dance album. And he came up to my house to write. And a uh, really good writer. And mm -hmm. so we went down to my lake right down the road here at Harrington Lake. And I had a bunch of friends. And that uh, that weekend, I Love the Way You Love Me, was going number one. And oh, wow. Bob wow. Kingsley was going to be saying my name, you know, now number one record, John Michael Montgomery. I was thinking, I grew up listening to this guy. And he's getting ready to tell me I have a number one record on American oh, Country Countdown. Yes. I told Frank, I said, man, I apologize. But my head ain't into this writing right now. I got, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just tore up. And he said, "No problem. Can you listen to this little cassette tape? Because this was in 1993. Yeah. Okay. And we were we were recording on we were recording on, uh, uh, you know, cassette tape player. And right. I played mm -hmm. that cassette tape, and it was the song I swear oh, and wow. that he had wrote. And uh, 
And I was like, please send this to my producer. He said, I already have. And because <laughs> uh, I had a new producer, Scott Hendricks at the time. So uh, that was just, uh, I really didn't think that, uh, I thought I loved the way you love me would be my all time signature love song. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And my first number one and all that. And still my favorite lyrically wise too, especially yeah. uh, just beautifully written. But I swear, just went through the roof, of course, and then all for one, uh, ended yes. up recording in the R&B, you know, and, mm-hmm. and did a great job with it. And uh, it, it's just, um, I was pinching myself, you know, <laughs> going, is this really happening? I mean, I just came out of the nightclub just a couple of years ago playing honky tonks five nights a week. And now, I'm, I'm, you know, I got this big gigantic song. I don't even know what to do, you know. Wow. wow. And, you know, um, a lot of people, they would ask, when did you know you wanted to do music? But I always like to go deeper than that. When did this click for you that this could be a career? So. As a kid growing up, me and my brother, Eddie Montgomery of Montgomery Gentry, oh, yes. uh, mom and dad played music on the weekends. And uh, they would get me and Eddie up and sing, you know, uh, a song or two. You know, it's more for cloud, crowd pleasing than it was anything. Yeah. And dad was a really good entertainer. And he'd use me and Eddie, you know, kind of <laughs> add to the show. And then we joined. I, I, I learned to play guitar. And uh, started learning to play guitar about uh, 12, 13, 14 years old. And uh, Eddie was learning to play drums. My mom played the drums in my dad's band and sang. And uh, so at that point, I remember getting on stage and I was playing basketball at at high school at the time. I loved basketball. And I was getting all this attention from, you know, these girls. Okay, I was like, oh, girls never knows me before, and I, I sing a song, and they're like, yeah, we love you, and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm liking this, and I, 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 I was not the starter on the basketball team, so I went to Coach Hollebeck, my coach at the time, and I said, Coach, I said, I'm going to have to quit the basketball team, uh, you know, my mom and dad plays music on the weekends on Fridays, and that's when the games are, and I'm, I'm really enjoying this, and I, I really, that's what I want to do. And of course he was like, well, that's a silly, that's a silly dream. You don't need to, that's crazy, you know? And then uh, after, after 92, after I got my first album out and successful, he had retired as a coach and a teacher. And I saw him at the Lexington airport, uh, working part-time at the security. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what that was. And, uh, so anyway, he, he was there at the security line. I was going through there and we met each other. And he said, John, he said, he said, I just have to tell you, uh, after you made it, uh, cause this was like in uh, several years after, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. after, you know, he, he, he was still teaching when I made it in 92. And he said, I would tell all my, uh, <laughs> students, they would come in, they go, look, if anybody tells you to not dream or your dream silly, <laughs> Do not pay attention to him, he said, because I did this to this young man named John Michael Montgomery when he quit my basketball wow. team. Yeah, you know? and uh, he still, I just, I just uh, had lunch wow. with him the other day. You know, and, uh, it's, uh, I still live in the hometown and everything. I, I get to see oh, a lot of friends and uh, mm-hmm. some teachers and stuff from time to time. You know, and uh, me and my brother are the same like that. You know, we just uh, we had a chance to move to Nashville, but we're only about three hours away, and we mm-hmm. love it around here. We people and mm-hmm. we just decided to hang out you know near the people we grew up with and loved and grow raise our kids here and all that stuff so uh, yeah uh, it, but it it's fun to run into people that were a part of your life <laughs> before you made it and stories like that and, and you know they all, i've always heard many speakers say that 
your your critics at first will tell you it, it it can't work. Then they eventually tell you it won't last. Then when it's lasting, they tell you you were lucky. And then it, and then and then eventually it gets to the point where they're telling everybody I always knew they'd make it. You hit it right on the nose. I mean, my first, you know, obviously growing up, everybody said, told my dad and my mom, you all need to get, you know, we, they were working jobs that didn't pay that mm-hmm. much. And we were moving around a lot. You know, rent went up. We couldn't afford to move to another spot, this and that. And they'd always say, you all need to quit picking and singing and get a better job and, and provide better for them kids and this and that. Well, we had, we were having a great time. We had musicians coming over all the time, picking and singing at the house. And, and you know, and of course, when me and Eddie started our band out of high school, and we started playing around a little threesome mm-hmm. uh, with our buddy Tim Williams, who's playing bass and everything. We were just having fun, but we were facing the same stuff. Y'all going to end up just like your dad. <laughs> y'all, y'all need to get a real job and all that. Oh, and I was thinking, well, they might be right, but you know what? I'm young and I'm going to have fun while I'm at it. And then, you know, when uh, time comes, I got to get a real job, then I'll do it. But now, right now, the only mouth I'm feeding is my own. And, and, uh, but, you know, when I did make it, obviously, uh, you know, a lot of people that doubted me back then around here, you know, they were like, I always knew you would make it, you know. And then, of course, the <laughs> critics, like you said, they liked that first album. But then the second album, as they call the sophomore album, came mm-hmm. out. And a lot of them didn't like that when it had I swear on it. But it had, you know, uh-huh. started picking it up. And all I read was, uh, oh, you know, he, this, this is uh, going to be, he's got the sophomore jinx. And I was thinking, oh man, no, oh you know, yeah. I was thinking, mm-hmm. I got the sophomore jeans. Oh my, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm worried now that now I'm only going to get two albums in, and my career is over. And then <laughs> that did that album did very well. It did better than the first one. And mm-hmm. then I put out the next album with "I Can Love You Like That" and all that. No, on. Yes. And uh, mm-hmm. sold to Granny County Auction. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, ten years went by, and like you said, all these people were going. I always knew. That you were going to make it, you know? And uh, hey, the thing about it is, I tell people, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, they're probably right because yeah, it's really yeah, it's tough. That you, yes. you know, hey, I you never know. thought I was going to make it. I mean, I always dreamed that I'd be, you know, would love to be able to, you know, do what I'm doing. But the reality is, it's like a college football or basketball player's chances of making it on the NBA or, or mm-hmm. NFL. Yeah. It's just uh, really, really, you've got to be a little lucky. You've got to have a lot of perseverance and a lot of things, timing, everything has to go right. And then when you get in the studio, you got to be able to sell the song. And for me, that was my scariest part because it's like, okay, uh, can I sell this song? Is, is it, can I make it wow. believable? Or are people going to believe me when I'm singing these lyrics, you know? And that's the biggest difference I found. A lot of great singers come into Nashville that you watch them live and they're awesome, but they go in the studio, they can't make the magic happen. Oh, and, wow. you know, and, and, and that's that's the biggest uh, reason. There was like over 200 new artists came out in 1992. Mm. And mm. I think only me... Uh, Tracy Lawrence, uh, you know, just a handful of us. We had Tracy Lawrence on the show too. Yeah. yeah, Tracy, we've known each other. We're on the same label and everything, you know. And he, he came out with Sticks and Stones, and just a few months later, I came out with Lights and Dance, and then my wow. records, you know. I mean, they, we we were we were rocking, and I mean, uh, we didn't get to see each other much back then because he was, you know, 
we were ships passing in the night, obviously. I mean, yeah. he was rocking, his career was rocking, my career was rocking. And you mm-hmm. don't really get to hang with a lot of your label mates a lot of times when you're that busy. And, and you know, I, you know, just kind of leads me perfect into where I want this to go. Because, um, you, you know, we talked a lot about the good side of this. But, you know, as you know, a lot of people, they see the glory in what you do, but they don't see the grind, the sacrifice, the tears, the struggles it takes to get to your level. And I always want to talk about that because because like you were just talking a little piece of it earlier. It's a tough industry. And I think that we can't do it justice if we don't talk about that, because I think that, you know, a lot of people think if I've got the talent, I can make it. But like you said, it's timing, it's work ethic, it's everything. So tell us a little bit about some of the struggles you've had to go through and even sacrifices to get there where you were at the beginning. Well, I mean, you know, I, I had old junky cars. Uh, I, I, you know, I wouldn't make it. I was making 150 bucks a week. Uh, uh, when I was playing five nights a week. Uh, and you know, I, I waited tables during the day. I, I helped uh, roof houses. I helped frame houses. I built, helped build swimming pools. I did everything and this and that just to supplement a little income because I, you, you're not making a lot of money playing, picking and singing, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and of course, uh, you know, I, I couldn't afford a place to live. So, I mean, I, I either was living with a friend at some time and sometimes I just pulled the car around the back of the club and sleep in the back seat, you know, oh, and wow. stuff like that. But uh, I wrote this song called a few cents short. Uh, me and my brother were riding around and, uh, in this old junky car I had, a little Ford Escort, had 170,000 miles on it. And, you know, and we dug in between the seats and got about four or $5 worth of quarters, nickels, dimes, and mm-hmm. pennies. And they had all these, you know, yucky stains on them and stuff, you know, from <laughs> uh, uh, McDonald's fries and uh, ketchup mm-hmm. and whatever. It, it was so yucky. But basically, I I needed some gas, and in my car, and I was too embarrassed to take the change into the bank and <laughs> roll it up for me. So I went in yeah. and asked them if they would give me some free rolls, and me and Eddie sit there and packed them, you know, with the rolls, and went mm-hmm. back there and ended up with about four or five dollars. Well, you know, this is like nineteen eighty six or seven. Okay, and mm-hmm. that four or five dollars, uh, actually, I put. $3 in my car and it almost gave me a half a tank and the rest of it, me and Eddie went and got us a, a, a some hot dogs and <laughs> at, uh, at the bar we were playing for, I think we got for 50 cents a piece or something, you know, so yeah. uh, we, we ate, had, had a half tank gas and, and filled our bellies up for $5, but it was with some old loose change. So I, uh, I wrote this song about it called looking, you know, it starts off looking for spare change. Wow. Uh, wow. Uh, you know, uh, heck, I can't even remember the, the lyrics now, but uh, oh, looking for fair change to put gas in my car, and that's how it started. But it was actually, <laughs> I turned it into a, a love song, uh, you I know, know, where yeah. I don't have any change to put in the, the telephone to call my love, love yeah. that tell her I love her, and I'm probably going to lose her because I ain't got any, you know. Uh, oh. dimes, it's long distance of two dimes and a nickel is all I have. So, in my so what, so what you needed that. was the other song. On on um that here's a quarter call someone who cares. You needed them to give you that quarter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I know Travis Tritt back then about might have saved my uh, love life back then. You know? <laughs> and I could have had a, I could have I might have got another hot dog out of it, a happy one. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to call someone who cares, though. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, um, yeah, I don't think anybody should care too much back then either. It's pretty much, uh, you know, back in those days, I was just basically uh, just surviving. I was having fun picking and singing. I had a gig uh, five nights a week. I was a house band. Wow. And, I was just enjoying life. That's really what I wanted to do. I really wasn't thinking about being famous at the time. I knew I was like, you know, when I get 30 years old, I was going to have to make a decision. Okay, do I go to Nashville, try to be a demo singer, write songs, this and that or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I didn't want to be in the nightclubs when I was 40 and 50 years old, you know. Yeah. So I was yeah, like, I, I had a time zone in my life where I was going to go, okay, I'm 23 now, uh, 24. Uh, once I get 25, I really need to start thinking about what my future is going to be and all that. Mm -hmm. Well, luckily, at the age of 24, uh, well, honestly, it was 1991 when I got discovered. So that I was born 65. So that how old would that make me? 27? 26. <laughs> and uh, yeah, when you get my age, you have to, it takes you a while to figure out <laughs> how old you are. Uh, but anyway, uh, <clears throat> the bottom line is, is I, I had plans, you know, I, I had seen other musicians that had hung around a 40, 50 years old playing the nightclubs and stuff and, yeah. and just withering away in the bars. It's a tough life, you know, back then yeah. it was smoke filled bars, you know, I mean, uh, and uh, so luckily I got my record deal and the rest is history, of course. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I tell people all the time, they ask about this social media stuff. I'm like, hey, if I had social media like they do now back in the 80s. I, I guarantee you I've been paying, I've been making more than $150 a week. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's, all, it, it's yeah, one it's of those double edged swords in this day and time, you know, social media is great mm -hmm. and you can be found, yeah. but it's also on the flip side. Now a label won't even consider you no matter how good you are, unless you've got a following. Yeah. 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 It's that you're exactly right. It's almost like they, uh, are waiting to try to all these other uh formats to you gotta have to show that you're good enough or something you know and i i miss the days when when a label was like you know what you're different i like your style we're gonna get behind you we think you can be a star and so we're gonna push you we believe in you we don't need any you know any other thing we heard you sing we've seen you sing mm -hmm. We're impressed. We think you can be a star. And so we're behind you now. It's like, well, show me your Snapchat. Show me your uh, portfolio of all these social media stuff to how many fans are following you and this and that. And it's uh, it's like a com if I was a label head, I'd be going, how can you how do you how do you decipher and and simplify it all how do you choose it's like having yeah. a smorgasbord of nothing but pizzas of all kinds of different toppings but it's like i don't know which one to choose they all look the same <laughs> yeah. some of them are a little different uh, but it's like there's it's like uh for me it's like who's what stands out you know what, what artist stands out i don't i wouldn't care about all this all these followers and stuff mm. Uh, but mm -hmm. but that's I'm old school. I mean, it, the, the way they do it now, it's like, well, if you're impressing this many people and they're following you, that many people following you, you must be doing something right. Uh, and so we'll take a chance on you, you know. And 
So it works for some people. Some people don't. Like you say, I, I think comes the bottom line. Uh, uh, you have to go in that studio and you got to make that magic happen. Oh, and yes. That's the fans, the fans are the final say uh, yep. when it comes you know, comes to it. I mean, like you say, I mean, we had fan clubs back in my day. Oh, and yes. the, 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 the fan clubs were great, except when the label dropped you, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, uh, and you didn't get played on radio and you weren't doing any more albums, oh, no okay. other labels would sign you. The only people that knew you were still out there doing touring was your fan club members. And wow. you, you know, everybody else that used to hear you on radio, they just pretty much either thought you retired or what. But now with uh, social media, guys like me that get older and don't have current hits, but I've got a lot of pretty good old hits, yeah. I can get on there and remind people it's like, hey, I'm still alive and kicking and I'm coming <laughs> to your town. You know? And I don't yeah. need a label to. Uh, make a decision on whether I can continue having a career or not. So that's right. the yep. part about it. Yeah. And, that, yeah. and that's the plus that's about right. the new technology. Out. Like mm -hmm. I, you know, we had um, Joe Kelly from CDX Nashville on our show. And I remember him, we were talking about this whole issue and he, he says, you know what? People don't need a label nowadays. In fact, you don't need it until you get to a certain point. And at that point, you kind of have to have one. He says, now you can get out there because of social media, because of the tools that are out there that you can make your own way, that you can literally make a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars a year profit. And a lot of people would never know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. That's the whole thing. I mean, obviously that, uh, what's it called? TikTok. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. TikTok. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Where they all, everybody tries to be, uh, Everybody tries to uh, do something funny, you know, yes. and now I think the big thing with the labels is like, how many TikTok fans do you have, you know, and stuff like that. And, you know, some some artists are uh, going to be naturally funny and, and can probably get on there and get a lot of fans. And there's some artists like myself. I guarantee you I would suck at TikTok. If I had no TikTok, <laughs> I'd be good. I, I, my career would be over if that's what it depended on, you know, I mean, but uh, it's just just kind of part of it you know I, I i'm i'm happy that i was in the era that i was and i grew up in oh, the yes. era of the 70s and 80s too because mm -hmm. you know i got to i got to listen to a lot of really really good music uh back yeah. in the day oh yeah i mean the 70s and 80s from alabama george Strait, lionel richie oh, so many uh, great songs uh, the eagles and mm -hmm. bob seegers and uh, the journeys and and of course, a uh, Willie and Waylon and oh, yeah. Hank, and I mean, it's just uh, just so much good music. And I could go on with how many good bands uh, that were, you know, what all you hear on all these commercials, like Applebee's and all these people like that. They use these old songs in their commercials, and these young people like that's cool. I like that. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's how, how cool the music was. And so. Uh, I love to, uh, I, I'm very fortunate to have been able to grow up during that era. It's kind of funny to see all these young kids gravitate to that kind of music now, but I think it just sounds so real to them. Uh, yeah. you, know, today's music, you know, today's music, obviously, there's some standouts, but so much of it, it sounds so much alike. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, speaking of um, putting all this together, as you know, a lot of people, they see you, but they don't see the team behind you. In our opinion, teams never get the love they, they deserve don't. on our show they get love so take a few moments and just tell us about the team that helps you be who you are 
uh, you know, like the team of producers or the just the team that's behind yeah, you from PR people, people to just yeah. the support. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just got to have from the label that when I was on the label, but like the producer, for instance, I I was just having this discussion the other day. Uh, you know, when I was cutting Life's a Dance, uh, you know, I had the they they were going through a change of leadership. And the person that was going to be producing that was producing my album had to leave the label. Oh. So I had to find a new producer. Oh, wow. And the songs that I had were okay, but I didn't think they were big hits or anything. Mm -hmm. So I finally found a producer, a guy named Doug Johnson. And he brought me songs. Uh, and this is so important when you're trying to break an artist. He brought me Life's a Dance. I love the way you love me. Wow. Bare and Bone. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, those three songs were the first three songs out. Uh, he literally was responsible for me being able to have a successful first album because you know he come in and helped me out he could have said no and mm -hmm. we'd had to found somebody else that we may not have that kind of luck with uh but you know you it takes a team of uh you got tour managers you got band guys crew guys uh managers uh and your public relations people you know, I didn't know who a public relations person, what a public relations person was. When I signed with Atlantic, they said, this is your public public relations lady. I went, she was a, a lady. Uh, and I was like, what do you do? <laughs> she said, well, the first thing we're going to do is, is we're going to take you and get some media training. <laughs> oh, wow. And, uh, and the second thing, she's like, I'm the one that sends out all the stuff on you, you know, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, cool. And then you got the people that get your albums out to the all the big markets and stuff like that, your marketing people. There's just so many things mm -hmm. that happen, that, and they all got to happen, work together like a well-oiled machine. Yep. Mm -hmm. And at that time, Atlantic Records had a really well-oiled machine uh, working at the time, and, and they believed me, in me as an artist, and so, and they let me have some input. Uh, no so way. many times I saw artists that didn't do well with songs or didn't have songs and they couldn't understand. And I was like, well, you know, who, where are you finding your songs? He said, oh, well, I just cut whatever the label gets. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, well, you know, sometimes <laughs> they get it right, but sometimes they don't get it right. You know, that's like, <laughs> if I'm going to sing a song and I'm going to live with it for the rest of my life, if it's a hit, luckily, I want it to be a song that I like. You know, I don't want to be, uh, I heard this story that Keith Whitley absolutely hated to sing, uh, Miami, Miami. Oh, and okay. uh, it came from a guitar player that played with him at one time. And I was thinking, my goodness, I could not imagine getting up and having to sing a hit record, one of my biggest ones. And it's one I hate, you know, <laughs> oh, but you got to do it because the fans yeah. listen. And I've heard, I've heard rock and roll guys say that all the time. Oh, I hate that song, you know, this and that. Mm -hmm. I hate singing that. Song, I think you know? Billy Ray Cyrus said that about Achy Breaky Heart. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I, I just worked so hard to make, try to make that not happen. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's so hard to find. Sometimes you got to trust the, the, you know, the producers and a, mm -hmm. a label. Like, for instance, Lights of Dance, I like Lights of Dance, but I really hadn't sang songs like uh, Lights of Dance. I sang love songs and old hardcore, break your heart, crying your beer, country songs, and a little mm -hmm. bit of Bob Seger. But Lights of Dance was more philosophical type song. And they wanted to put it out first. And I was like, oh, you got to put I Love the Way You Love Me out first. That's a, that's a, you know, that's a big old ballad. That's got to oh, be yeah. first. That's, my, that's what, that's what I love. And they were like, no, trust me. 
Lights of Dance needs to be your first single. Wow. It's uh, You Nailed It and everything. And, of course, it was mid-tempo and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. I, I just didn't understand. But I was like, okay, well, you guys are supposed to know what you're doing. So let's do mm -hmm. it. You know, I'm not, it's not like I'm going to talk them out of it anyway. But so, and sure enough, it took a long time, but it became a top, uh, went to number four. And a lot of people go, it went to number one. I went, nope, that was number four. My first number one was Love the Way You Love Me, the one I wanted yeah. to come out with first. But it was right that we set a Love the Way You Love Me up mm -hmm. with like to build that foundation. And, yeah. And the thing about it is, it's Life's a Dance. I had no idea how powerful those lyrics were until I got out there and singing it and the stories of the people coming up to me, you know, that that, wow. that mm -hmm. song changed my life. I was in a bad place and, you know, and so, uh, you know, that song I appreciated as time went on more and more. And I, you know, than I did back when I first put it out. Wow. Wow. You know, speaking of teams, we have a third co-host, our 10-year-old. Yes. Little boy. He just turned uh, 10. We allow him to come yeah. on and ask a few questions. So yep. Sandy's going to go get him. I'll get him. And we've got an almost three-year-old that when she gets older, <laughs> that she'll be plugged in the show too. Because, you know, again, we're a family affair show. So, you know, we let, you know, and everybody loves this uh, when little Chris comes on and all that. <laughs> What's your name, Chris? Yeah, yeah, it's just, yep, he's a Chris Jr., but we call him Little Chris. Okay, okay, <laughs> all right. Did you say he was 10 years old? Yeah. Yeah, we oh, started. Oh, awesome, man. You know, yeah, I just turned 50, and I and I have a 10-year-old and a almost 3-year-old. Well, hey, you ain't going to have to worry about not being busy. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. And then you're trying to build this show around – all this and that's you know it can be tough sometimes hey chris how you doing buddy doing good hi john michael mcgurry so what's your favorite food my favorite what uh food food oh my favorite food <laughs> well about everything that sits in front of me i'll be honest with you i i love everything from brown beans soup beans cornbread to steak to sushi uh i mean i probably eat things that would make you want to barf I, i'm a food connoisseur i i literally will eat things that my friends go you're gonna eat that i'm like well why not i mean i've just i love uh all kinds of different foods all kinds of different textures and everything i mean there's really not anything that i don't absolutely love to eat i mean but i i would say at the end of the day if I just uh, had one thing sitting in front of me, uh, it would be probably, I love my soup beans and I love my cornbread. I mean, <laughs> and it's just a, I've always loved that growing up. Uh, but, you know, I mean, from I like everything from, I love chicken livers and I love, like I said, all kinds. I love that sushi that that's ready to walk away off your plate. That's the kind of sushi I like. <laughs> and if you can't eat it all, you can take it and use it for bait for fish. Yep, you know? There you I mean, go. That's what I'm. Because what's yours? Mine is pizza. Well, let me tell you something. Pizza is way up there for me too. I mean, <laughs> it would if it didn't get me so much heartburn, I'd probably eat that a lot more. I love pizza a lot, but <laughs> unfortunately, all that sodium kind of gives me a little bit of heartburn. I my stomach's uh, seen a lot in its day, so it's uh, it's had. Uh, 
I've had to kind of calm down some of the types of foods that I can eat or how much I can eat. Okay, so what's the first TV show? Oh, uh, you know, I'm thinking anything in sports. I love it. I mean, I, I can't really say I like some series. Of course, I grew up loving Star Trek and things like that. I uh, just absolutely loved uh, any kind of sci-fi stuff. I loved it. Uh, you know, I was big into video games and stuff like that, too. Loved my video games growing up. Yeah. Uh, and but, uh, you know, I'm I'm such a – I'm a huge sports fan. I mean, I will sit all day and watch golf, okay, <laughs> all day. I mean, people are going, how can you watch golf all day long? I'm like – you know, but I love golf. I, I could play golf all day long, you know. So, uh, but like sports, if sports is on, uh, boxing is a favorite of mine. I really love boxing. A lot of people are like, that's such, you know, why, how do you like boxing? I grew up in a Muhammad, Muhammad Ali day, stuff like that. I mean, uh, George Foreman, all that stuff, you know. And, mm -hmm. but uh, I can't really say that I got any one certain favorite that, uh, you know, I would absolutely. You know, I, I I love all this streaming. You talk about the double-edged sword. I can now go back and watch my old. Uh, <laughs> I uh, leave it to Jeannie. Uh -huh. uh, old shows, you know. Uh, I mean, Gilligan's Island and stuff like that that I grew up watching and all those kinds. Of, that's the kind of shows I grew up with. It's uh, Beverly Hillbillies and things like that. And uh, you know, right now, I guess my. And, you know, in next month, we actually have um, the son of the creator of Gilligan's Island coming on. Really? Wow. Okay. Well, that's cool. I mean, <laughs> you know, back in my day, obviously, you know, we had uh, we had four stations. We had ABC, CBS, NBC, and then we had like the public broadcast, PBS, mm. and that was it. And it's just a matter of how good your antenna was, really good. And uh, luckily, Dad was a part-time TV technician, so we usually had a pretty good antenna. So you kind of love the shows that they had on at the time, and and uh, went a whole lot of other options. And uh, and when I wouldn't, when I wasn't able to watch uh, TV, I mean, my favorite thing to do is I'm an outdoorsman. I, sitting in the house is my least favorite thing to do. I will sit in the house and watch TV, or I'll sit on the bus, my tour bus, and watch TV. If it's raining or there's a really good sports zone or, uh, but otherwise I'm outside. I'm in, I'm either trying to, uh, work on some stuff outside. I got, uh, I love to bush hog. I love to go fishing. I love to go golfing. Anything outside to me in this beautiful world, uh, that we have is the best TV in the world. Cause what's yours? My SpongeBob. What's that? Mine is SpongeBob. Favorite TV show. Well, you know what? That's funny because my kids growing up, I watched a lot of SpongeBob, and they loved it, and I loved SpongeBob. I thought that was one of the coolest cartoons I was. You know, I I watched about every episode of SpongeBob. Uh, that, you know, while they were growing, and they still up. got and new I, ones. I have out. to say. Oh yeah, you know so. Now my kids are in their 20s, so SpongeBob is long gone. Uh, 
I have to wait maybe until some grandkids come around or something. But, uh, uh, you know, but I got to go to Disney World and places like that with them. I mean, uh, I always wanted to go to Disney World growing up, but it wasn't able to. Couldn't really afford to. Uh, but once uh, my kids, uh, you know, me and my wife, we had our young kids and we were able to go to Disney World and stuff like that. Got to enjoy some of those things in life. Uh, I think every kid should be able to enjoy. But, uh, you know, uh, it's... Uh, uh, I've been very fortunate the way I grew up. I got to uh, uh, enjoy a lot of things. And next, my uh, I mean, what's your favorite movie? <laughs> what's that? Uh, what's your favorite movie? My favorite movie? Yes. Well, I tell you what, my favorite. It's not really a movie. It's more of a made-for-TV movie, and. Uh, and it was, uh, it was about, I think it was like four days long. And uh, it's, uh, I'm having, I'm drawing a blank on the name of it right now. <laughs> uh, had, uh, oh my gosh, uh, that's awful. That's what happens when you get at my age. Uh, the, it's a movie about uh, a couple of guys at Cattle Rustlers that, uh, you know, went up from, uh, Texas to Montana. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, oh my gosh! I hate when you'll remember it later. You know, <laughs> I, I'll remember it here in a little bit. Yeah, uh, I pull it up on my phone, but I'm talking to you guys. On it. <laughs> it's a uh, it's an old western. It's an old western uh, movie that lasts for four days. I, uh, uh, I I'll think of it here in just a minute. It'll come to me, but. Uh, is that it? Somebody said I love young westerns. Uh, Somebody said young writers. What's that? Somebody said young writers. No, no, no. It's uh, it was uh, it's old guys, old right, old guys. Uh, if I could think of their dang name, y'all would help me remember it. Uh, uh, gosh, it was it was a huge four day made for TV thing. Uh, uh, but Is it it'll come to me here in a minute. Lonesome Dove. Lonesome Dove. That's it. Thank you very much. You get surprised. Oh my gosh. It, that's just how bad. Yeah. I, I need to start taking some of that. Sandy stuff figured stuff it out. They sell on TV for memories. Yeah. Yeah. I, Lonesome Dove is probably my all time. I could watch, I've probably watched that so many times from beginning to end. It just absolutely, I love the Rocky Mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 you know, growing up in Kentucky, obviously, I love my state. But, uh, if uh, there was, I die and go to heaven. I hope it looks like the Rocky Mountains. I mean, those are the most beautiful things. Of the just the creeks, uh, the snow top, snow capped mountains. All the, it's just so beautiful to drive through. And uh, uh, and that that story that right there kind of emboldens that a little bit. You know, they go up. They don't go up through the Rockies as much. Yeah. But just that drive up through Middle America and up into Montana and and all that kind of stuff. I've been out that way and through all those states, uh, the Heartland and the Rockies, and it's just so gorgeous. I I don't know. Uh, it's it's almost like uh, you know if I if I die and get reincarnated, just make me a cowboy and move and <laughs> let me be born out there. Uh, but. Uh, but it's uh, uh, but I'm an outdoors guy, so that kind of yeah. stuff I really yeah. love. But yeah, Lonesome yeah. Dove, I think, 
I just I just think it's the coolest coolest uh, uh, made for TV movie What's out yours? there. And I'm, I'm my, mine, another name. Mine and I love me. those actors. I still watch all those actors that are in there. I watch their movies <laughs> and other movies too. You know? all, right. all right, mine is a Minions movie. What is it? The Minions, the Minions movie. movie. Yeah, the Minions. Despicable Me. Yep. Oh, the Minions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about now. You yeah. got to understand how, you know, you're talking to an older guy here, so it takes me a minute to uh, <laughs> so-called that in the Minion movie. I know who you're talking about. I, I, as a matter of fact, did they sing I Swear on one of their... They did. They did. Despicable Me like, too. Despicable Me, that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah. And that's her favorite one. Anyway. And that's his favorite one. Oh, great. Well, there you go. <laughs> Bye, thanks. Appreciate it. Nice talk to you, Chris. Yeah, he, he, he's been on almost every episode, and he definitely um, loves to be on the show. He's been on, We're going to eventually do his own podcast probably by next summer. Yeah. Sometime around then. Well, that was awesome. Thanks. I appreciate that. He was fun to talk to. I, my, my earbuds, for some reason, are just not very clear. They're, oh, they're wow. my backup. Uh, we get so, it. Uh, so sometimes it's not. It's just not coming yeah. as clear as it was my other one. Were, so, you know. <laughs> and, and my hearing ain't the best being, uh, you know, about 40 years <laughs> with uh, music in my ears either. So. <laughs> All right. So what are some sources of inspiration for you? Uh, sources of inspiration. Yeah. Ins- what inspires you? You know what? Beating the sun up in the morning, uh, watching it come up in the morning gives me all the inspiration I need. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, I'm an early riser. I just always have been. Uh, I feel like if the sun beats me up, if it rises before I do, I've lost time. Mm. And, uh, and you know, and so uh, I enjoy watching that sun come up. And then from there, I get me a nice little cup of coffee and fix me, uh, you know, good old uh, bre- country breakfast of, you know, bacon and eggs. I love it. Oh, and, that sounds uh, good. And then after that, then I'm just, uh, my mind starts turning. And it's like, what can I do today? One, two, uh, first of all, be a better person. And be a better dad, be a better husband, and mm-hmm. try to accomplish something today. Sometimes, uh, you know, the the list is uh, not always, uh, you know, not high on the bucket list. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, uh, it's, uh, I've, I've just never really needed anything at all to inspire me to get up wow. and just start focusing on what can I accomplish today. When I wake up, I wake up. I don't. I don't lay around. I don't lay around. And go. Oh, I think I'll just lay. And procrastination. I don't procrastinate. I mean, it's just. That's good. I have. When I did procrastinate, I, it always came back and bit me in the butt. And <laughs> yes, I was like, it no does. procrastinating. You know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know I get. It's. It's. I'm irritable a lot of times to a lot of people around me because it's like, <laughs> hey, it ain't gonna get itself done. You got to get it done. I, you yeah. want me to do it for you? I'll do you it for you right now. I'm not. I'm not going to sit there. Who's going to do this? Uh, I've just always been that kind of a uh, guy. I have always had that fire in my belly, you know. And for me, I tell people, especially when it comes to advice, and I told this to my son, my daughter. 
in life uh, to be successful or to in success is on different levels. I always just dreamed of being able to have a car and a, and a nice little home roof over my head, maybe a boat, you know, stuff like that. And that I worked in for and it was like mine. you can buy me a boat. And uh, obviously, you know, but in order to get there and do those kind of things, sometimes you've got to grind. Sometimes yeah. life becomes, it becomes Groundhog Day and you're going, you know, and it gets hard and you're just like, do I want to do this anymore? Can I do this anymore? And that's what happens to a lot of artists that go to Nashville. They get down mm -hmm. there, everybody down there, it's set up for rejection. You go down there as an artist, you're going to get rejected one time after another because there's yeah. other artists that want you to leave and go home. That's less competition for them. Yeah. And then yeah. every, you know, everybody's got that. What makes you think you're good enough? You know, well, that doesn't, that, that's irrelevant. It doesn't mean anything. How hard are you willing to grit your teeth and grind and go, you know what? I'm sticking with this. I am not giving it up. And that's, I've always been stubborn like that way. I, I got that from my mom, no doubt about it. Uh, she's, she's a grinder and uh, a hard worker. And, you know, uh, it was just one of those things that I've always been able to do. I wake up in the morning before the sun comes up and uh, I'm ready to go and I'm inspired to whatever's in front of me that day, I'm going to tackle it and I'm going to, Sometimes it frustrates me because I don't always get it done. But uh, just being able uh, to enjoy life uh, and live in, in this great country for me inspires me a lot. And, oh, and that's awesome. And, you know, that's just like with our show, you know, mm -hmm. talk about the grind, you know, you know, 500 interviews in two years. That's a lot of grinding. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When I first came out, I mean, I was doing interviews every morning, every afternoon. You know, I was a new hot guy yeah. on the market out in the radio. And uh, I did a lot. And let me tell you something. They they can be a grind, but 300 plus interviews in a year, that's a lot. <laughs> you know, you all, that that is definitely, you all definitely, that, that was, that's incredible. That's incredible. <laughs> We love doing it. And what would you like for your legacy to be? What would you like to be known and remembered for? Well, uh, obviously, I want, uh, uh, as a father, I would hope that my kids, you know, felt like I did the best I could to be a good dad. Uh, you know, it's, you question yourself every day. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just... Uh, just this way life is. I mean, sometimes I'm thinking, man, I, I think I did good on that one. And sometimes you're like, boy, I, that, I don't think I did very good on that one. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and just uh, uh, to, for people around me, uh, I'm a very, I, I'm a very go out of my way person. I, I don't want anybody to do anything for me, but I love doing things for them. It makes me the happiest when somebody needs something. I go, let me take care of that for you. I love doing that. Uh, and, uh, you know, very giving person. And, and it's not because I want, I don't, I, I give a lot and I don't, I don't want anybody to know about it. I just, uh, you know, oh, it's, wow. I've been very fortunate and I'm just one of those kind of people that feel like, you know, if I can help that person out or that, uh, you know, that, uh, situation out or, uh, that fundraiser or this and that, you know, and yeah. then yeah. I'm, I'm all over it. Uh, just basically, uh, and my songs, I hope that legacy of my songs are like the songs I grew up with. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the they are timeless. They made a difference in a lot of people's lives as they grew up. Uh, and uh, with me, I mean, when I was having my heart broke, I listened to a lot of Lionel Richie. I mean, he just seemed to have the best songs and you know, like still love still is my favorite song by him. Oh, yeah. uh, George Strait, same way. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, being able to be inspired and have the kind of songs that stuck with me through my life. They lasted forever. They never went mm-hmm. away. Still love to listen to them as much as I did back when I was a kid. I hope my songs are the same way for years to come and uh whether they remember my name being attached to them or not I, as long as it made them happy uh, that made me happy oh love that and if you could say anything to your fans what would you want to tell them just uh continue uh enjoying coming out to the shows uh enjoying life and keep being a country music fan that's the best music in the world it truly is as we come to a close here what's next for you i'm sorry is it as we close out here tell us what's next well uh you know this is my 30th year touring so i'm gonna go out there and uh enjoy that and uh, and I'm hoping, got a couple of things on the table. I would love to, uh, you know, do a song, you know, maybe with my brother one day. Uh, oh, that would be uh, great. Uh, you know, just, that would be kind of fun, obviously. And, uh, and just, I'm hoping really for me, music wise, I've, uh, I've been so fortunate. I would, I feel like it would almost be greedy for me to even ask for anything else for myself. So <laughs> for me, I just want to see my kids grow up and be happy and do well in whatever their endeavor is. Uh, my son's trying to make it in music. My, my daughter, she's very talented too. She's got, uh, she's, got uh, she's going to college and doing awesome in uh, college and stuff. I, I just want to see them grow up be great human beings and be successful in their own lives and be able to sit back and watch it as a parent with my wife and go, man, that, you know, that, that's what it all boils down to. I mean, when it comes to it, you know, and hope that they are able to have kids. I'm hope if anything, I'm going to be around long enough to see it all happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just so you know, your son's welcome here anytime. Yes. Oh, well, I'll make sure I tell him that. He'd love to do the show. I, I promise you that. <laughs> you know, we yeah. really enjoyed having you we on the did. show today. And we fun. look forward to having you back for updates down the road. Yes. Well, I, Chris, Sandy, I appreciate y'all having me on your show. Give me a chance to tell my story and everything. It's been great. And uh, you all have a wonderful 2022. I hope that we can finally get move on past all of this. Uh, we, this hope so we hope stuff, so, too. You know, yes. Get their life back to normal. Absolutely. Thank we you very much. You Thanks so much for your time today. Bye. Absolutely.